The following is a class given by His Holiness Jaya Patakaswami Maharaj on April 29th, 1982 in Denver, Colorado, USA. The class begins with a reading from the Chaitanya Charitamrita Adi Leela Chapter 3 entitled The Pastimes of Young Lord Chaitanya. I worship Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, whose next serene mercy flows like a great river, inundating the entire universe just as a river flows downstream. Lord Chaitanya especially extends himself to the fallen. Jaya Jaya Sri Chaitanya Jaya Nityananda Jaya Jaita Chandra Jaya Gora Bhakta Vrinda Jaya Jaya Sri Chaitanya Jaya Nityananda Jaya Jaita Chandra Jaya Gora Bhakta Vrinda All glory to Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu All glory to Lord Nityananda All glory to Advaita Chandra All glory to all the devotees of the Lord he prays for Lord Chaitanya's mercy because he is the mercy incarnation, having appeared especially to claim the fallen soul. The more fallen one is, the greater one's claim to the favor of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. One must only be very sincere and serious. Despite being contaminated by all the bad qualities of this Kali Yuga, if one surrenders unto the lotus feet of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Lord will surely and certainly deliver him. The best example is Jagai and Manhai. In this age of Kali, practically everyone is like Jagai and Manhai. But the Sankirtan movement inaugurated by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is still flowing like a great river, inundating the entire world, and thus the International Society for Krishna Consciousness is successfully claiming all fallen souls to free them from contamination. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the mercy incarnation, having appeared especially to deliver the fallen souls. And this International Society for Krishna Consciousness has been described as uh, being the waters here of Lord Chaitanya's mercy, which are flowing like a great river, inundating the entire world. That there are so many difficult and complicated practices for becoming self-realized, for becoming religiously perfected, or God-realized. But all of those Different methods are beset with so many obstacles, with so many difficulties, that there is no guarantee of success in this short life. 
Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he is so merciful that he has given a process which is able to purify the material consciousness of anyone. Even the most fallen inventions here, Jagai Manhai. Jagai Manhai were two great ruffians of the Middle Age when Lord Chaitanya came 500 years ago. They were like the organized crime of that day. <laughs> they were the mafia leaders. But Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu delivered them. In fact, at the mercy of Lord Nityananda, they became completely uh, sanctified. Although initially they tried to kill Lord Nityananda, but in the end, his mercy prevailed. So it was such a thing that it was as if Babyface Nelson and Al Capone had become Hare Krishna. <laughs> and in fact, it had that effect. Because uh, all the people came from literally hundreds and hundreds of miles to see how these great criminals had become uh, great devotees. So there's no limit to the power of purification, of this chanting of the great mantra for deliverance, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Here we have another Sanskrit verse. Jiyat Koishora Chaitanya Murtimatya Grihasamat Lakshma Chitota Bhagdevya Dishang Jaijaya Chalat Long live Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his Kisora age. Both the goddess of fortune and the goddess of learning worship him. The goddess of learning Saraswati worshipped him in his victory over the scholar who had conquered all the world. And the goddess of fortune, Lakshmi Devi, worships him at home. Since he is therefore the husband of, or lord of both goddesses, I offer my obeisances unto him. It's very hard. You have these two. One is Saraswati and one is Lakshmi. Saraswati is the goddess of learning. And Lakshmi is the goddess of wealth, of fortune. Generally someone has learning, but then they're not so wealthy, or someone has lots of wealth, but then they're not so learned or cultured. But here, because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna himself, he is the Lord of both. So he has not only learning culture, but he has all opulence also. So similarly, the devotees like to see Lord Chaitanya in his Kisora age. Kisora age means around 12 to 18 or you can say 14, 16, 18, like that, 16 in the center. Just in his youthful time, so when he was just a young man, just a teenager, he was already at the full opulence in so many different ways, that he was considered to be the greatest scholar in Navadi. Actually, 
we should understand that just as we come here this way, the Lord can also come here, but we come here under very stringent laws. We come here under the law of karma, and we are forced to transmigrate to various bodies according to our mentality, our desires, and our activities. But when the Lord comes, He gets independent. He's coming out of His own free will. That in human civilization, there are periods when the human beings become more materialistic and they forget the real spiritual purpose of life. At that time, the Lord sends some great devotee, some son of God, a prophet, a uh, acharya, spiritual master, or he himself comes to reestablish principles of self-realization, of religion, like Lord Buddha is the partial incarnation of Krishna, except Lord Jesus is a shaktavish, or empowered living entity coming, empowered by Krishna. The Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, though, is actually Krishna himself. Krishna came 5,000 years ago and spoke the Bhagavad Gita. In the Bhagavad Gita, he said, everything is coming from me. That there's no higher truth than me. Arjuna saw Krishna's universal form. Countless living entities saw Krishna's universal form. Then Arjuna praised Krishna that you are Param Brahma, Param Dhamma, Vritsam, Param Bhavad. You are the supreme absolute truth. You are the shelter of everything. You are the unknowable. You are the transcendental Lord. So Krishna, when he comes, he is considered Swarat. That means completely independent. In this world, we all want to be independent. Everyone says they want to be independent, they want freedom, they want liberty to do everything or anything they want. But, unfortunately, we are not able to do so. We are actually forced to follow our senses. We are forced to suffer and enjoy due to stringent laws of material nature. We are not independent. But when Krishna comes, he's independent. Whatever he does, there's no reaction. He's not suffering or enjoying the effects of karma. Everyone sees how the successful man down the street has set up his business and he doesn't only have to go to office two hours a day and he spends most of his time in Southern California or in Miami and just comes up and he's making so many millions of dollars and so everybody opens up a small business and wants to also become a multimillionaire. So it doesn't happen. Not everyone who opens up a business becomes rich. In fact, a lot of small businesses fail. But everyone has that hope. So why someone succeeds and someone doesn't? It's not, there's five causes for every action. The doer, the thing to be done, the place, 
the, uh, the time and Doiva, providence, one karma, the will of the Supreme. So, someone succeeds in his previous lives or in, the pre in this life he has performed such activities where he has good karma. Therefore, he succeeds to enjoy, to some extent, the fruits of his work. Someone else comparatively enjoys less. These are not within the complete control of the individual. Even if we'd like to be free, our freedom is limited by so many stringent laws, some of which we are aware of, and some of which we may not be aware of. If we know what are the laws, if we know how we are limited, if we know where we actually stand, then we can chalk out for ourselves what is the actual course we should take in this life. A person who knows where he stands is in a much better situation than a person who isn't completely in the dark. So Krishna consciousness is meant to distribute knowledge to people so that they can know what is their actual position in this material world and so that they can achieve good fortune in this life. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he has made it very simple. But when he came down, he came in disguise. He didn't reveal himself as God. In the Kali Yuga, this particular age of destruction, age of quarrel and hypocrisy, the, <coughs> the original personality of God does not come in his original form. There's four main ages, golden, silver, bronze, and iron. This is the iron age. The Lord is known as Tri Yuga because he comes in the golden, silver, and bronze age. He does not come in this iron age. In his original form, but he comes in empowered forms or in uh, covered forms. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, but he has come in a covered form. Covered from our vision. Not that he is covered, but we, we are not able to see him. Because he has put a veil of maya over himself. He has come as a devotee. Something like a professor, when he teaches his students, you write like this. Krishna spoke the Bhagavad Gita, and in Bhagavad Gita he said so many things that today there are about 600 different translations of Bhagavad Gita, each with their own interpretation. So it's very bewildering if you want to be a student of the Bhagavad Gita, which one to believe? The Chaitanya Mahaprabhu could understand the same thing 500 years ago. Krishna knew. He had spoken the Bhagavad Gita, and so many people were misinterpreting it, that he personally came to show, this is how you practice it. Just like when you buy an amateur radio set or some kind of you know, do-it-yourself kit, and if you can't ultimately figure out the directions, then you can go to the manufacturer, and then they'll send forward the manual and say, you do it like this, and he'll show you how you do it. Then, of course, you feel like a fool because it was so simple, it was written right there. <laughs> Similarly, everything is there in the Bhagavad Gita as it is in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Lord Chaitanya said, I've not come to give anything new. I've come simply to speak Krishna Pata. He himself is Krishna. But he showed practically how to practice it. So in his early life, he was in Navadri, then he went to Jagannath Puri, 
Then he toured, he went to Benares, to Jagannath, to uh, Vrindavan, and to the whole South India he toured, up to practically up to Bombay. And this way he toured the whole India by foot, preaching this Harinam Sankirtan. Even today, in the farthest tip of Kerala, people are chanting Hare Krishna and there are some temples of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu still there. And his footprints are established in temples all around India. And of course, in eastern India, he is worshipped very uh, emphatically, very uh, enthusiastically. And now he's worshipped all over the world, thanks to his divine grace, the A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, our founder Acharya, who has brought this movement all over the world. So, Krishna, when he was in Vrindavan, nobody knew that he was God. He kept it a secret. He really only revealed it once he left Vrindavan. Of course, <coughs> people could understand. But he kept himself covered by Yoga Maya just as a cowherd boy. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he kept himself covered by Yoga Maya, and his pastime was he was a young scholar. He was a great pandit. Pandit means someone who knows the scripture inside and out. In the West, a professor would be also you could consider a pandit. A PhD. So like that, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was a pandit. He was known as Nimai Pandit. A teacher. But he started early, as is said in this text 4. Eto Kishora Bilar, Sutra Anubandha, Kishagana Poraite Korila Arambha. At the age of 11, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu began to teach students. This marks the beginning of his Kaishora age. He started his Kaishora age at the age of 11. Well, normally people start at 16, but he started early. Sata Sata Sisha Shange Sada Abhyapan Vyakasane Sarvaloka Shamokita Mon. As soon as the Lord became a teacher, many, many students came to him. Every one of them astonished to hear his mode of explanation. Sarva Shastri Sarva Pandit Paya Purajoy Vinoya Bangite Karo Dukha Nahi Hoy. The uh, translation. The Lord defeated all kinds of scholars and discourses about all the scriptures, yet because of his gentle behavior, none of them were unhappy. Text 7. Divida. The Lord is the teacher performed various kinds of pranks and his sporting pastimes in the water of the Ganges. So, I wanted to discuss today some of the pastimes. This is just in a very brief form they described here. So I thought I could explain some of the details of what Lord Chaitanya did when he was in his Kaishora age, after he went to the uh, he went to Eastern uh, Bengal and uh, preached Harinam Sankirtan, and uh, at the same time, after that he got married to Lakshmi Priya. He 
Metapa Mitra, Tapa Mitra wanted to go to Navadvi, but Lord Chaitanya sent him to Banaras. He said that they would meet there again, which happened. In this way, Lakshmi Devi, she was very unhappy that Lord Chaitanya had gone. But before he went to Eastern Bengal, which our, where Abhyapi does, was preaching for several years, taking up great personal risk and sacrifice. <laughs> but in those days it was very opulent. Now it's uh, more difficult. So what happened was, was Chaitanya, he, was, he gradually collected literally hundreds of, uh, of students, even though he was only 11, 12 years old, because he was so expert. Actually, he was about, say, I'll discuss about the period just before he left when he was about 14, when he just had gotten married. And even then he was already, of course, about full grown, he's seven feet tall, and he was approaching that height already. He's known as Ajahnulambidabudo, meaning that his arms reach down to his knees when he's standing up. They're so long. And he's very beautiful to look at. All good quality. So, Lord Chaitanya, he was so expert that he would explain all of the scriptural, all of the Sanskrit grammar, everything in terms of syllable, of uh, different type of uh, stories and uh, syllables, similes uh, using Krishna's pastimes and uh, Krishna's name. And it was very interesting. So, so many students like to hear. So in this way, Lord Chaitanya, he would be with his students and then he would study for about six hours a day. Then they'd wander, go a walk around to the town. And he would go, surrounded by all of his students. Many of them were much older than he was. But because he was so brilliant, as mentioned here, he had actually defeated a great scholar who was 50 years old, the greatest scholar had defeated everyone in the whole of India when he met Lord Chaitanya. Lord Chaitanya defeated him. That's a whole other long story. Well, Lord Chaitanya revealed to him then that he was actually Krishna. When he, this uh, great scholar worshipped uh, the goddess of learning Saraswati, his worshipable deity, and she revealed to him that actually this is Krishna, that's why he was defeated. And then Lord Chaitanya revealed himself. That's a whole other story. Happens a little later. So Lord Chaitanya is going, and he sees the different scholars. He'd meet a scholar, and immediately he would say, Oh, my dear Brahmin, my dear Bharacharji, my dear Pandey, my dear whatever, and then he'd say, How are you today? He said, Please, I want to learn something from you. Can you? And then he would ask a question, which would be so difficult, that the person couldn't answer. <laughs> or if he answered, then Lord Chaitanya would say, would then uh, say, oh, your answer is very wonderful. He said, it is so filled with uh, good points and so filled with uh, defects. <laughs> and then, you know, could you point out the good points and the defects? And then the person, they actually wouldn't see the defect in his own work. And then Lord Chaitanya would take it apart and show these are the good points, these are the defects. And this way, they would all 
except defeated Lord Chaitanya that actually he had perfect understanding of Sanskrit and of all the Shastras. So, but basically Lord Chaitanya was teaching his students Sanskrit grammar, the basics. So he saw Mukunda, and Mukunda was trying to avoid Lord Chaitanya. But he called out, Mukunda, Mukunda, why are you avoiding me? <laughs> he was caught. <laughs> he thought, I'm going to teach this Lord Chaitanya. I'm going to teach this Nimai Pandit now. He's just a grammarian. <laughs> he doesn't know the finer poetic things about Sanskrit. What's the use of, of uh, he wants everyone to follow, he does, follow him. I'm going to deflate him today. <laughs> this was Vakunda was thinking. This was before, later Vakunda became a very great devotee of Lord Chaitanya. But this time, so he came and he said, that, why should I follow you? You only know grammar. What do you know about Alankara, about Sanskrit uh, poetry? So then Lord Chaitanya said, well, you compose some poetry and then we'll see. I know anything or not. And so then again the same thing happened when Mukunda got caught. He, he, he made, a, he made a, a, a verse and Lord Chaitanya completely dissected it and pointed out his good and bad points and Lord Chaitanya started speaking so much other poetry and then all of the students started laughing. Mukunda turned red. <laughs> <laughs> and so then Lord Chaitanya said, well you just consider this thing and uh, <laughs> we can uh, meet tomorrow and discuss some more poetry. And then Mukunda was thinking, if just he was a, 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 he was a pure devotee, he wasn't so much into the scholastic pursuits, then I would stay with him all the time. So, but then Mukunda, he laughed, and like this, I came to be walking, going through the town, then he saw Gadadhar. Hey, Gadadhar! It's been so long! Why are you hiding? He was caught. Everyone was a very, they knew that if he got caught by Lord Chaitanya, that was it. He was going to, any Brahmin or any other scholar, he put him right against the wall. So then, Lord Chaitanya asked him that, uh, please, I just have one question. Could you tell me what is the meaning of mukti? What is the meaning of liberation? So then, this is how Lord Chaitanya is very humbly, very nice to come up and just grab one with some question. Seemingly very simple question. What is liberation? But everyone knows that uh, any question by Lord Chaitanya is loaded. <laughs> by Nimai Pandit. So, in this I had a very great sense of humor, but he was very sweet how he behaved with everyone. He was in complete control of every situation. Just like Krishna was enjoying with coward boys and with now, Lord Chaitanya, he was enjoying this type of uh, university-type rush, you know, going with the students. And so then Gadadha, he quoted from uh, Upanishads that liberation means the complete ending of all type of material misery. Lord Chaitanya said, this is not complete. Then Lord Chaitanya started quoting from so many different scriptures. Gadadha started thinking that he never studied all these scriptures. <laughs> <laughs> How does he know every scripture, every Vedic scripture, every Vedic literature, that even, even, we only know the name, but we haven't, well, you can't even find hardly the manuscript. <laughs> and how he can pick out slokas and verses just from every one of these. Without, I never remember that he ever studied these. How, how is that humanly possible? And he started to establish that the real liberation 
it's not just negation of material misery, but it's actually the establishment of Krishna consciousness, the establishment uh, of one's uh, relationship with Krishna. The liberation, which is simply negation of material misery, that is not complete. Complete liberation means not only is material misery negated, but positive spiritual ananda, satchidananda, bigra, the full eternal blissful knowledge is realized, the complete form of Krishna is realized. That is complete liberation. So, Gadadha had nothing, he didn't know what to say. So Lord Chaitanya said, well, you can think about it tomorrow, then we'll meet <laughs> And this way you go on, They're going, sometimes then they meet other scholars, and they do the same grant. And this way all the older teachers and all the older discussions, see, Navadri at that time was the seat of Sanskrit learning in India. Of course, Benares has always been a very big seat. And I would say that today probably Benares is more the center. But, but we can understand that particularly in that period, that uh, Navadip was considered to be the center. Since the time of the of the uh, Goda kings, the king of Lakshan and uh, Balal Sena, Sena dynasty, before the Mughal rule, when they established their capital from Mughal and put it in Navadip, that became a very great, great seat of scholars. Jayadev, he was there before he went to Jagannath Puri, and spoke the uh, Jagannath Sotram and the uh, other great poetry that he wrote. And uh, many great scholars had all collected around Navadweep, even during that time with people were coming from all over India to go to Navadweep. So, there was no shortage of great scholars in the town. But Lord Chaitanya, even as a, as a young boy, as a, as a young man like that, he would, he had defeated everyone. They'd meet someone, and he would ask these different kinds of questions, and then the person, he would be stuck, he would say, Long live Nimai Pandya. You are the greatest scholar. So, in this way, he was, it was a type of, uh, a little bit of chivalrous spirit, but in a very, very mellow, kind of nice mood, not, not harsh at all. Then all the people, they were seeing and they're thinking that, well, obviously he's, he's, he's a devotee, but if this is, this is not true devotional service. I mean, this is getting into vidya, into simply knowledge and education and, and, uh, although definitely it's all philosophical and, Everything, but nonetheless, it's not really a pure practice of, uh, of Krishna consciousness or bhakti yoga. So they would be praying that may Krishna bless this uh, this Nimai uh, Pandit to become a devotee. If he becomes a pure devotee, then it will be very great for our for our uh, for the whole humanity. Sometimes old people they'd meet Lord Chaitanya in front of his students and they would chastise him. They say, "What is the use of all this?" materialistic learning and all this big show of scholastic uh, feats without pure bhakti to Krishna. You should simply surrender unto spiritual master and you should simply preach pure God consciousness. This is the actual practice, God consciousness, practice Krishna consciousness, bhakti, nothing else. Lord Chaitanya also, he, but he was very, he said, yes, I, I want to. 
just a little longer, short time, I'm just enjoying this scholastic pursuit, but as soon as I reach my spiritual master and get the mercy, I will definitely take out pure devotion. And this way he would, he would not argue with him, he would agree. And he would continue as round. So, in this way, Nimai Pandit, the name of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in those days, became, of course, known and loved by everyone. He would, uh, sometimes, what would happen though is that he would hear the name of Krishna or he would somehow become just ecstatic. And at that time, uh, he would completely uh, become absorbed in in a uh, Mahabhav ecstasy. And uh, tears coming from his eyes and he would be shaking and crying. These are all type of spiritual ecstasies in Krishna consciousness on a very advanced platform. So while he was in that ecstatic trance, he would say so many things about Krishna. Sometimes he would say what his own purpose was, that he was Krishna, various things. And uh, no one knew what to make of it. And then when he came uh, down from his uh, from his uh, ecstatic trance, then he would uh, be a little bit uh, bashful. He would only come down, especially when people chanted Hare Krishna, that would bring him down. So then he would just say, well, there must be some disorder in my ears. Sometimes people, if their ears get disordered, their limbs start to move and various things happen out of their control. Some people were praying that, oh, he must, and they would chant Hare Krishna, so that they thought that he was being attacked by some disorder of the airs in his body. So they would chant Hare Krishna and pray for his health, and when he heard the chanting, that would bring him back down from his ecstasy. But they thought that, well, you know, that he was coming, he was being uh, helped from this uh, disease. And so then uh, he would say, yes, of course, what is this temporary body it's going to not going to be here forever. You're also not going to be here forever in this body. It's only the permanent soul that counts. In this way, he would joke with them and, uh, and they would think that, yes, yes, he was just sick and now he's alright. In this way, then, Lord Chaitanya, he would keep his identity a secret. Then sometimes he would take his, uh, followers like Mukund and others in a private place and just uh, discuss with them. And then sometimes he would uh, sit with all of, the, uh, all of his students on all sides. Just like the Lord, when he previously came, Narayana came in Badri Ashram, Badri Ashram in the Himalayas. At that time he was teaching the four Kumaras and other such celestial great uh, sages who even came from other planets and he would teach them and there was all these sages there and Narayan 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 was uh, teaching them so again we see the same type of pastime that Lord Chaitanya is teaching all of the students and uh, the original Narayan coming is Lord Chaitanya and he's teaching all of the students who are on all the sides so in this way it was very beautiful to see Lord Chaitanya with all of the students and passerbys would just See that how beautiful Lord Chaitanya was, how wonderful uh, this was. They would become absorbed. Lord Chaitanya became 
practically the talk of the whole town. Then Lord Chaitanya, he'd go home after finishing his class. First he'd go to the Ganges, and then he'd have sports, a little swimming in the Ganges, after taking his bath in the Ganges. Then he'd go home. Immediately after going home, after his bath, then he would worship the Shaligram Shila, self-manifested deity of Vishnu. But he would see this Krishna. After worshipping his Narayan, then he would water the tulsi tree and circumambulate the tulsi. Then he would sit down and the wonderful prasadam which was cooked by Mother Sachi and his and uh, his wife Lakshmi Priya, Lakshmi Priya would bring that uh, prasadam, big mound of rice with a uh, sukta, bitter, spinaches, sag, different type of green leafy vegetables, different kinds of uh, chacharis, burnt, purposely charcoal, broiled type of uh, vegetables, and various kinds of vegetables and uh, preparations. And this would be personally served by his wife, Lakshmi Priya. And his mother would just see how this is going. She would be very, very satisfied to see Lord Chaitanya taking Prashant. She'd be very satisfied with it. So people, they didn't know that Lord Chaitanya was actually uh, Krishna. They took it that he was, of course, leading a very holy life, very pure life, living as a pure Brahmana. They had that respect. He was a great scholar, a great pandit. But he was keeping his actual identity hidden from them. And he was always uh, joking with different people in, in various subtle ways. This was, of course, uh, very humorous in a way. You see, what Chaitanya was like, he would go around the town with his friends, with his uh, students. And so he would go like, he'd go into the handloomer's house. He was equal with everyone. He would just go and you know knock and go in someone's house, and they would welcome him to give him a nice seat. He'd go into the handloomer's house, and the handloomer would pay his obeisances because he was the, very, the greatest scholar in the town. He'd just come, and he'd say, "What can we do for you?" And he says, "What cloth do you have? Bring me some cloth." What's the, what's the latest cloth? And he'd look at the cloth and he'd say, All right, give me this one and give me this dhoti. And about every ten days he'd get a whole new set. Very, very, very good uh, dresser. Sometimes the person would give it three signs. How much? They say, well, you know the price. What do you want to give? So they give some corn shells. In those days they didn't use money so much. They used mainly corn shells. Of course, for big things they'd use money, but for little things like cloth, and they just use some content. So he'd buy, put on his new set, give the old set to the students, and then go off. Then uh, he went over to the cowherds, from the handloomers, he'd go over to the cowherders. When he go to the cowherders, he'd say, Hey, go follow <laughs> Hey, cowherders! <laughs> then they'd, they'd say, Oh, it's Nimai Pandit. They say, come on, come on. And they give him a nice seed and they'd uh, wash his feet and they bow down and they'd say that, yes. And he'd say, well, come on. Bring on the milk. Bring on the yogurt. Bring on the ghee. Bring on the cheese. 
So then, uh, but I don't have any money. So how will I? They said that's all right. They brought and they made. They gladly gave him and his students. They gave them so many offerings of milk products. And this way, they'd have various uh, little exchanges. Sometimes Lord Chaitanya would uh, encourage them in various ways. So then, Lord Chaitanya, he go from the cow herder. I guess he go on the whole town. Just make his little round. <laughs> go to the to the scented oil merchant. Again, give a nice seat. He says, "Well, what do you have today?" The scented oil. He said, "Well, I have got such an oil that if you put it on here today, go to bed tonight, tomorrow morning. If you still don't have the scent, you can get your money back." <laughs> <laughs> the boy Chaitanya said, well, but I don't have any money. I'm just a poor brother, just a poor scholar. What do I have with money? So, the uh, they would all melt when they see Lord Chaitanya. These were all, you see, after performing many, many austerities, they were able to to be in Avadip, and then the Lord, in this informal way, is going, visiting their house, visiting their, their establishment, and talking with them. So then, uh, they gave some oil, disciples rubbed for Chaitanya, special oil for his hair, oil on his, uh, on his body, and again, they left the oil man's house. Going down the street, all the other scholars said, Gosh, come see my pundit. They all run. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, you know, a lion coming with the whole flock. <laughs> so then, uh, after that, the Lord Chaitanya went to the forest, to the person that makes these malas. And then, oh, the mala, with great respect, offered a seat to Lord Chaitanya. And Lord Chaitanya said, Well, do you have any malas for any humble brahmana? And then uh, he gave a beautiful garland to Lord Chaitanya. And uh, he said, I don't have any money. He said, well, you can give or not give. That's not a problem, actually. This is all for your worship. So in this way, Lord Chaitanya gave his merciful glance on the, on the florist. And again, he went out with his students. And they were wandering around. And then uh, he went to the uh, house of the uh, of the uh, pond beetle merchant. So there he sat down, beetle merchant, <laughs> give a nice seat, offer him all respect. Then uh, he offered him, here, have some nice pond. Then he brought out different type of spices for Lord Chaitanya. He took his pond, gave his blessings, and then went on out to the town again. And this way, he was going with all of his followers and uh, visiting everyone. And everyone was reciprocating with him. And this way, just like when Lord Krishna, he went to Mathura, he used to walk through the whole town and everyone come out and see him, from Kuja to this one to that one. And Lord Chaitanya, he was going, just like Krishna was going through Mathura, he was going through the whole of Navadra, from house to house, person to person. And everyone was uh, was conscious of Lord Chaitanya, and actually, they were hoping that Lord Chaitanya would again visit. It wasn't every day he would visit. He was going like this gradually, one to another. So then, Lord Chaitanya went to the house of uh, 
Shankar Bonin. That means the man who makes the jewelry from corn shilks. So he offered Lord Chaitanya some corn shilks for his uh, for his wife. Lord Chaitanya. I can't remember. There's so many. Everyone. There's little jokes that Lord Chaitanya played with his jewelry. I can't remember all the details. But, uh, then. Uh, Lord Chaitanya went on. Then there was one astrologer who had some special power to see the future. So Lord Chaitanya went there, and he said very respectfully, he said, you are a great scholar, you know the past, present, the future by your astrological and by your visionary ability. Could you tell me what was I in my previous birth? In my previous birth. So the astrologer started to chant a Gopala Krishna mantra to, to give him the vision. And then he started looking at Lord Chaitanya, he closed his eyes meditating. All of a sudden, in his vision, he saw Shankar Gada Chakra Padma. He saw there lotus flower, he saw the uh, corn shell, the uh, club, and the uh, Sudarshan Chakra discus in the form of Narayan. He was completely astonished. There he was seeing Narayan. Then gradually his vision was coming. And there he saw that there was inside of a prison house. But there was a baby, and then it became, then uh, the Narayan became a baby in the hand of Vasudev and Devaki. Vasudev took the baby over to uh, across the raging river to the place of uh, Krishna, in uh, to the place of Nanda and uh, Jasoda in uh, Gokula, and uh, changed the babies and gave the baby boy blue color Krishna to Mother Yasoda, and saw the boy grow up some uh, breastfeeding from Mother Yasoda, some growing up, and then saw him playing on the flute, dancing in the Ras Lila and uh, tending the cows. And like this he saw Krishna, the whole Krishna Lila went before him. So why am I seeing this? <laughs> then, he, then he looked and there he see Lord Chaitanya. Sachinandan. And then he couldn't understand why, why am I seeing? Then again he closed his eyes and meditated, and then he, he saw, there he saw Ramachandra, green color with his bow, and Hanuman, the great monkey, and he saw that, uh, the form of Ramachandra. Then he started seeing, here's Matsya, swimming, the, the incarnation of God as a fish swimming in the big ocean, standing in the Vedas. Then he saw, there's Bowie being saved by Vamanadev. Saw the form of Vamana Dev. Then he saw the form of Shingya Dev, killing Hivanikashipu. Saw the form of the Lord as uh, Varaha, lifting out the earth, lower regions of the universe where it fell, where it had become dislocated from orbit. And then again reestablished. In this way he saw, then again he looked at Lord Chaitanya, and uh, he saw that he was very powerful and, and effulgent and uh, filled with spiritual potency. And he said that this is some great mystic yogi or this is a great demigod who's come and somehow he's giving me all these visions just to bewilder me. This is somehow some test or something. He's not an ordinary person. But because of the illusion, you see, he couldn't figure out that actually why he was saying that this was Krishna himself. He's saying, what is his previous birth? And then he's saying that this is all Krishna's avatar. Because, see, the illusion is, is there covering... Krishna, if Krishna doesn't want someone to realize, even he's standing in front of you, you won't be able to actually 
have faith or have understanding that this is actually Krishna. This is the Supreme Personality of God. So that was what, uh, so then he became completely just bewildered and he offered his obeisance to the Lord Chaitanya, but he thought, to Lord Chaitanya, but he thought that he was some demigod or something that came down. He couldn't understand who Lord Chaitanya was, but he knew he was someone very powerful, but he didn't tie the two things together, although he had all these visions, which was the same thing happened in Krishna's pastime when an astrologer went to see Krishna Gargamuni. Then the Nanda asked Gargamuni to please use the horoscope for Krishna, and then he saw that in the previous Krishna birth, Krishna was green, he was yellow, he was red, this way. He also had the vision of Krishna's previous incarnation. Lord Chaitanya, he went with his followers and he went over to see banana peddler Siddhartha. Very poor man. <laughs> he used to sell bananas, banana flowers, banana tor. Tor? Core of banana tree. The, the tor, that center part of the tree. The core of the banana tree. And also all type of sibanjan or various type of vegetables. And, uh, but he was very, very poor. So Lord Chaitanya would see him though. And uh, he would, uh, give Lord Chaitanya very nice seeds. And again, there was a nice reciprocation. So then, uh, Lord Chaitanya asked how everything is going. Anything? Yeah. Whatever I'm getting, I'm trying to offer 50% to the Ganges and, uh, Puja. And so then Lord Chaitanya would, uh, say that, uh, but uh, your uh, cloth has got holes in it, <laughs> and your house is not, the roof is not repaired, there's some holes in the roof. <laughs> Don't you think that, look at all the, he would joke, you see, in this way, he said, look at all the materialists that are worshipping various demigods, they are so rich, you are so poor. So where you, you are a devotee of the Supreme Lord, who is the husband of the goddess of fortune, why you are poor? And why are these people who are worshipping demigods who are doing other materialistic endeavor, why are they everything? So then, Banana Pedler Sridhar, he said that my cloth may be short or may be long or may help one or two ribs, so not. But after all, I have a cloth. I have some cloth. That's enough. And the house is air conditioned. <laughs> <laughs> the house is cool. <laughs> and uh, he said that whether one is uh whether one is a big king and he's got so many jewels and so many servants and so much wealth and opulence and he's off of golden plates. Or whether on the one hand you see that there's a bird that's in the tree, he doesn't have any cloth, he doesn't have any helper. He goes alone and picks up branches from here and there, builds his own house with no helper and he picks up some grains and he feeds his family and that's about it. Whether one is a big king or whether one is a bird in the tree, the standard of happiness, happiness is there in both and the misery is there in both. I'm simply concerned with 
serving the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Krishna is simply practicing my devotional service. I don't <coughs> care to try to imitate the materialist. Actually, Kolavacha Sridhar, or Banana Peddler Sridhar in English, he knew that in this material world, no matter what arrangement you make, there's always a mix of happiness and distress. You may be a person vegan, but you've got your headaches. And you've got your, and you've got, he's also got maybe his joy. But he doesn't have pure joy, neither poor headache, it's mixed. But Kolavetya Sridhar, Banana Pedalist Sridhar, he's offering simply whatever he has, he's offering it to Krishna. Krishna wants to make me rich, he'll make me rich. I'm doing my honest work. I'm selling my vegetables, I'm doing what I can. I'm not going to stop worshipping Krishna on some kind of material desire. Actually, he was always happy. He was happy because he wasn't dependent on a material situation. Even he was in a poor situation, he was actually the richest person. So the Lord Chaitanya told him, actually, you are a very, very rich person. I know that you have somewhere a stash, somewhere hidden, huge wealth. You have concealed your wealth. And I'm going to reveal it one day. And I'm going to let everyone know that this is all a show. Actually, you are the richest person here in Nalapur. So it appeared to Nanana Selzman, she a very simple <laughs> devotee, that uh, the Lord Chaitanya was threatening to cause him, you know, you know, and he was a little bit afraid of Lord Chaitanya. He was much bigger than I am. <laughs> I mean, if he wanted to, he could probably beat me up. And being he's a Brahmin and I'm just a banana salesman, I couldn't make any objection anyway. And I wouldn't want to also offend Lord Chaitanya. So I better just cooperate with him. So then Lord Chaitanya said, you are very rich, so you should give me some bananas and some vegetables. But I don't have any money. <laughs> so he was thinking, well, anyway, he's, he's actually... It's a great opportunity for me. He's a pure Brahmana. He's always a great Brahmana. He's a great master. He's coming. So, <coughs> he said, all right. But there was a little bit of intimidation there. He was a little bit afraid. But actually, Lord Chaitanya was doing it in a very friendly way. And he was taking it like that. He actually didn't want Lord Chaitanya to go anywhere else. So he gave Lord Chaitanya some bananas and some <laughs> other vegetables and things. And Lord Chaitanya would regularly eat only the vegetables from Sridhar. But then again Lord Chaitanya said that I'm going to reveal your real hidden wealth one day. But actually, Lord Chaitanya was telling the truth. Because Banana Salesman Sridhar was the richest person. He had actually pure devotion for Krishna. Krishna was keeping him in that poor condition just to show an example that a devotee, even in that poor condition, does not give up. It's not that just because it's opulent a devotee is a devotee. That even if the going's rough, a devotee stays very dedicated in his service. Sometimes Krishna takes a devotee and makes an example. Puts him a little difficult just to show people. You see, he is a pure devotee. This is why a pure devotee should act, even in difficulty. The Kola Vecha Sridhar, Banana Tedla Sridhar, 
Lord Chaitanya in that eventually did reveal his actual glory. But since he was himself now revealing his position, actually he also didn't reveal Kolavachasita. So then, Lord Chaitanya asked, what, what about the Mother Ganges? Well, the Mother Ganges is purifying the whole world. All the, the sacred river Ganges uh, is uh, coming from the lotus uh, feet of Vishnu. So who do you think I am? I think you're a part of Vishnu, you're a, a Brahmana, you're a Vishnansa, you're a part of Vishnu. Therefore, I respect you and uh, worship you in this way. And then Lord Chaitanya said that, uh, you don't know that I'm the source of the Mother Ganges? Vishnu, Vishnu, Vishnu! <laughs> Normally when boys go up, they get more serious, but as day by day you become more Vishnu. How can you say such a thing? In this way, there was a... Actually, Lord Chaitanya, if he doesn't want to let someone know, then they can't understand who he is. So even though he was making all these different comments, but no one take him seriously until later, when actually he's finally fully manifest the Sankirtan movement. And then uh, it was Adwaita Gosai and the Srivast Thakur who actually could understand first who Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was and of course Nityananda. And this way then. <coughs> but Lord Chaitanya, as he was playing the part of a devotee, he would not let people call him as Krishna. This was just a rare thing he was joking or he was playing some particular pastime with Kolavasita. Ordinarily, especially when he started his preaching, he would not let anyone call him as Krishna. He would cover his own head and say, it's a great offense. Unless he was in some specific ecstatic mood, where he sometimes rarely came into that mood where he actually manifested his mood as Krishna. Only that was amongst his intimate associates. I got there so many really esoteric and really transcendental pastimes regarding Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The most wonderful, of course, is the fact that he has engaged everyone in chanting this Hare Krishna Sankirtan. Actually, this chanting of Hare Krishna is not new. It's not only that it was in this Kali Yuga, in this particular age. In the Treta Yuga, the great sage Valmiki, he was previously Dasuratnakar. He was a, he was a, he was a ferocious uh, Dakar an armed robber and murderer. And he was approached by Narada Muni. And after a great long story, of course, but finally he was told to chant the name of Ram. He said, I can't chant the name of Ram. I can't chant the name. I couldn't say Ram. I can't chant any these types of holy names. <laughs> I've been a murderer too long. It's not possible. So then Narada thought, he told him, you just chant Mara. Mara means to kill. That I can chant. <laughs> hundred times over. I'm used to those things. So then, he started chanting, Mara, 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 he became completely purified. Even if one chanted mantra by accident or by some other, you see, not intentionally, even then it's called a gatacity one gets uh, unconsciously from a 
So that was in the Tetra Yuga, in the silver age. Prahlad in the golden age, he was chanting Hare Krishna constantly, continuously. He was completely uh, indestructible by his father. The father tried to kill his own five-year-old child, he couldn't do. Dhruva Maharaj was searching for Krishna. He couldn't find him until he was given a mantra. When he received the mantra of Nova Bhagavati Vasudeva, he chanted, then he could finally achieve Krishna. One has to receive the mantra or name of Krishna from a bona fide spiritual master. And this has been happening since time immemorial. Ajahnya, one time he chanted, Narayana, and he was saved from uh, death. He was saved from being taken by the Yamadutas into the uh, lower planetary systems for punishment. Just by one time chanting the name of God. Powerful mantra. Powerful vibration. Purifying. So, it's not that this chanting is new. But sometimes we chant, we commit offenses, and we don't get an effect. So many people are chanting Ram Nam or Krishna Nam, but because they're committing offenses, they're not able to actually make progress. Offenses mean that there are various categories, but there's basically ten offenses to the holy name. If we commit these ten offenses and chant, that limits the effect we get. It delays the effect and limits it. Because our chanting is not pure. So by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy, even an unqualified person, by chanting his name, he is forgiven for offenses. Therefore, that chanting has a full effect. Therefore, before we chant Hare Krishna, you hear us chanting the Panchatattva Mahamantra. Everyone can repeat it one time. Sri Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhu Nityananda, Sri Advaita We chant that. In fact, the Brahmananda Maharaj told me that in Africa, Prabhupada told them you should just chant that. <laughs> when you go into the Congo, when you go into the, you know, just mainly by Chaitanya's name. Because he has unlimited capacity to forgive. Then we chant Chaitanya's name, then on his order we chant Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Hare Rama, Hare This is a great process of meditation, of yoga that's been handed for millions of years, but it's a very specialized and a very secret and esoteric process in the past that would not be generally understood by everyone or practiced by, although it was open to everyone. But Lord Chaitanya, so to speak, just opened up the storehouse, opened the treasure house, and he just said, everyone, that was his specific mercy. So we can take advantage. And the proof is you can see how devotees around the world, they're united, they're one, simply by chanting Hare Krishna, they're getting transcendental benefit by the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. By <coughs> these books are also sacred expressions. This is a type of Sankirtan Prabhupada. I requested that we should distribute the books to the Ramachandra Swami and dedicated his life in organizing book distribution. This is a great service. This is all the movement of Chaitanya to broadcast the glories of Krishna, the chanting of the holy name, the spiritual knowledge. So, of course, these are preliminary pastimes. Especially the devotees can appreciate. Generally, we discuss after Lord Chaitanya started his preaching. The public can understand better.
But sometimes it's nice to see how Lord Chaitanya was, in the first 14 years, how he was acting. Then after 14, he actually he fully got into it. <clears throat> Single-pointed Sankirtan. Before there was Sankirtan, there was Krishna Bhakti, but it was not so obvious to everyone. But now, we can take advantage of Lord Chaitanya's mercy, chant Hare Krishna, perfect our life, and help others. We should try with our life to do as much good as we can to others. There's no greater good that can be done than if you can give on the spiritual knowledge. Because that means, just like you may be a Kolavetra, you may be the, the good. But if you are actually Krishna conscious, that means that you don't have any more dependence on the material happiness and distress. You're always happy. Even the person who's got the big king with all the diamonds and all the gold and everything, is always hankering that this was not enough, that's not good enough, I need more, I need this, I need this. Always so many unfulfilled desires. When one simply desires Krishna, that's considered to be the greatest sadhu. That's liberation. Then one Krishna may give that person like Judasthir was the king of the world. Doesn't mean every Krishna bhakti has to be poor. Judasthir and Arjuna were emperors of the world. Parikshit was emperor of the world. Unlimited wealth. They could do so many asana jagyas, rajasuya sacrifice, which take just literally thousands of tons of gold to perform those things. And also he had Sudama Bhikra was a poor Brahmana. Later he gave him huge palaces with jewels and servants. The devotee in any condition is actually satisfied. When he reaches that state, the Krishna doesn't mind giving him so much money. But if a devotee is not mature, you get prematurely too much material opulence, then they may think, oh, this material opulence is happiness. Then they forget Krishna. Then they're in Maya, then they're caught up again in the Sankhara and laws of karma. And one is acting for Krishna, under Krishna's shelter, one is above the law of karma. There's no reaction for those activities. When one is acting, either a poor man or a rich man, for him all his, without connection to Krishna, then he's wound up in the laws of karma, then his happiness is mixed with misery. And his misery is mixed with happiness. The devotee, has got continual happiness. Certainly he may look miserable or he may look very poor or may look very rich. But internally his happiness is coming from Krishna. That is steady. That is unadulterated happiness. Did I go to Prima Are there any questions? Yes? Definition. Everything belongs to Krishna. <laughs> Spiritual communism is everything belongs to Krishna. Krishna. We are all, every person is allowed his quota. With that quota they should be satisfied. And if they're surplus, then they should use that for the service of Krishna to help others. So if we accept that not the state is the owner of everything, but that Krishna is the owner of everything, and that the state is only acting on behalf of Krishna and to, up, and to help the people to progress spiritually, 
Satisfied? Well, I don't quite understand. I understand that everything belongs to Krishna. Right. If everything belongs to Krishna and we each get our quota, then that's automatically that's spiritual permanence. You, you act in that consciousness. You act as spiritual parts of Krishna. How is it now, first of all, you have to bring about you have to bring about spiritual consciousness. Then automatically it happens. How can you bring about spiritual consciousness? Again, the people who chant high vision. Well, people have such a great misunderstanding. They don't understand. I remember that ten years ago no one even knew what reincarnation was. Now if you ask people how many believe in reincarnation, you probably find that is it Benagala Pope, how many believe in reincarnation? I know Brazil ninety percent believe in reincarnation. That's a Roman Catholic country, the Pope said there is And in America, you probably find, I know in France, 70 or 80 percent of people believe in reincarnation. I don't understand Christian that reincarnation Because, 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 you know, it's a gradual process. We need more preachers. We need more people to explain. They'll gradually know. First of all, let them understand what the soul is, what is, uh, what is life. Then, if there's a supreme soul, then they can understand that Krishna is the same supreme soul that they know as God or they know as whatever they know him as. Allah, Jehovah, the Father. Many people are accepting. In uh, North Carolina, two weeks ago, there was a PTA and all the, about 50 ladies all chanting, more than 150 Elderly ladies all chanting Hare Krishna. It's just that we have to go out and more or less like meet the public in different forms and uh, gradually explain Krishna in ways that they can understand, ways they can relate to, and then gradually people will come to them. How well, According to the audience, you have to present it. Well, you have to use at least the vocabulary and the concepts that they're familiar with. And if I, if I, so just to start talking to the, you know, in, in calculus uh, equations, and no one knows what he's talking about except for the physicists or mathematicians. Similarly, uh, in the temple, we may discuss it in a little more technical manner, but if we go out and meet certain people, we have to know how to, just like sometimes talk about meet people on the street and, he would say, God bless you. <laughs> but the way shows you are now, people are trying to take money, you know, at the airport. At the time, they're giving out books. Yeah, I was first introduced to the time six years ago at the airport. I gave them the change and then uh, walking. Walking to the second flight with a white coat. I gave him a white coat. Not quite what the book was worth. I gave him what I had, and I was serious. Next thing I know, I just wiped it out of my hand, you know, and uh, he used it on the bookstore. If I would have had more time, I would have uh, tried
distinction you made about Peter and Peter, you know, I played both, play both roles, an interchange role. You know, I was a, I had a negative attitude about Christian consciousness. Well, I think in the beginning some people were overzealous. This may happen, but the point is that I don't think that it happens anymore. As far as I know, the distributors have become much more mature and that these type of things have been uh, brought to the attention of the leaders of the society and they've made various resolutions and uh, standards that nothing illegal or no type of, uh, this type of activity, what they consider to be uh, well, how does GBC Ocean call it? Uh, indiscreet, thank your time tactics or something? These are not allowed. This is not the move of Lord Chaitanya to make people. <coughs> a lot of those people aren't around anymore. It's just, you know, in the beginning, some people just became a bit carried away. And definitely we suffered for that. But uh, you can at least have the satisfaction that. At least I, I assume that the person turned uh, the money into the temple, and at least someone else got a book. They tried to the money against it. Now, most of the places we give out free books. You'd be surprised how many free books we give out. So six years ago was a little bit different than now. Now, many people get free books. And I'm sure that the temple would be glad to give you a medium sized book for the money that you. At the time. Would you give them back to God? We'll give them a little If you read them, we'll be happy to give you as many books as you can read. I, you know, another thing too, in that particular point, is that I think that sometimes because of the, the media and certain personalities that just dislike our movement in general, made that broadcast a little bit more than it actually really occurred. For instance, you know, you, you might have had that experience yourself, but uh, basically, you know, we made investigations and we found that a lot of times that was a little bit, you know, over-exemplified about our society just in general. Any other questions? Yes? Well, if there's Krishna Cassius there, <laughs> <laughs> Very nice question. Is that, uh, as I mentioned before, that sometimes Krishna wants to, actually the devotee himself, they're so busy serving Krishna that they don't have any time to waste an unnecessary pursuit to become rich. That they're already so satisfied in Krishna's service that they're happy with even a, a, a just a minimal amount. So rather than become distracted, they just use all their energy in serving Krishna. And this way, one is actually the devotee's richest of all because by this type of devotional service, one is able to conquer Krishna. Krishna is possessing all wealth. Just like Srila Prabhupada said that I have so many millions and millions and millions of dollars of temples, but I can never stay in any temple more than 
one week or a few days or two weeks. <laughs> the problem is always traveling. As far as his personal belongings, he just has his, you know, his clothing and his books. And well, technically, I mean, the whole movement was uh, all under his inspiration and all his to engage in Christian service as he saw accordingly. But personally, one would consider that, well, simultaneously he was living in a very simple way, not having any his uh, personal, uh, everything he had, he invested in Krishna's uh, temples and Krishna's books and Krishna's work. He put up any, anything for any other separate purpose. So like that, the devotee himself prefers to live in a very simple way. doesn't need to have all types of opulent things. Which the materialists, they always want to get more and more opulent things. And as a result, they become uh, always dissatisfied. If some opulence is needed for Krishna's service, then one can accept it. In such cases, Krishna gives opulence. But in general, the devotees, they don't, uh, they're so busy, they're already so satisfied with Krishna's service that they don't, they don't bother to accumulate. If they get money, they need it, they spend it on Krishna. How much does one need? You have clothing and you have a house and you have enough to eat. What does it matter if you have a Rolls Royce limousine or if you have a bad diet or something? Yeah, but if you're if you're as a devotee, if you you don't you don't you desire to get around. If you have service to get around it. You don't have these desires. For real life, for this time, unless it's even useful for preaching. Is that satisfying? Can you have your hand up? What would you say is the ultimate goal of Christian consciousness? The ultimate goal. The ultimate goal of Krishna consciousness is to be completely Krishna conscious. <laughs> 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 to do that service as described. Rupa Goswami, Anya Bila Shita Sunya, Jnana Karma Nabhitam, Anupulaina Krishna Nusilana, Bhakti Uttama. You understand? So, that is Anya Bila Shita Sunya, to have no other desire. To have no other desire. Karma Jnana Anabhitam. That includes not having any desire for any intuitive result. That I'm working hard, I should get the results of what I'm doing. Or jnana, to have some independent knowledge which is unrelated to our development of Krishna consciousness. And to always be engaged in Krishna's service in a favorable way, free from those desires, that is considered to be topmost Krishna consciousness or topmost bhakti yoga. So our goal is to achieve that type of transcendental service where we are uh, intimately serving Krishna's devotees, satisfying Krishna directly. And that service is uninterrupted and unmotivated with all these material desires and motives.
That's considered to be the, the, the perfectional platform of bhakti. Then when one is serving in that way, then he gets a full Krishna realization, self-realization. I can understand his eternal relationship with each day. I remember Krishna. Each day I forget about Krishna. And I wonder, what does Krishna want from Krishna? But you don't forget him. He wants, we appreciate you remembering him, but now he wants you not to forget him. When we forget Krishna, then immediately our desires begin and immediately our suffering begins and immediately our entanglement. And as we remember Krishna, then our freedom begins, then our then our protection is there. So that therefore Lord Chaitanya is a Kirtanya Sarahari. One should always remember and chant this way one is uh transcendental to the sincerity. So that takes practice because obviously in the beginning everyone's going to forget Krishna. Therefore we associate with devotees because with an association of devotees they help us to remember Krishna. We eat Krishna Prashadam, we chant Krishna. We do services which we can see are related to Krishna because they've been authorized by a spiritual master. Some people work in the temple, some people have outside jobs. If they work outside, they're supposed to give the fruits of their work to Krishna. And they shouldn't be work which is inimical to Krishna, you know, like being a butcher or something. <laughs> this way, what Krishna says in the Gita, a vast judge, one should practice. By practice, then you'll be able to reach the perfection. If you can immediately fix your mind on Krishna, then you can be perfect in no time. But if you can, always just fix your mind on Krishna without forgetting, then you have to practice. And that practice is this is called sadhana bhakti, or the practice of devotional truth. Other questions? Uh, about the question about why Brahmins aren't uh, too materially possessed with money. I once heard a story about this one Brahmin was going around taking <laughs> uh, personalities. He went to Lord Vishnu, and uh, Lakshmi was massaging his feet, Lord Vishnu's feet, and the Brahmin put his foot upon Lord Vishnu's chest, and Lakshmi Devi wasn't too pleased about that, and ever since then she hasn't been, you know, too obsessed. Uh, kindly, the Brahmin, so to speak, wondering if that could be another reason. <laughs> of course, devotees are Vaishnavas, so they're beyond Brahmanism. Devotees are Vaishnavas. Brigu Muni was just a Brahmana, but he wasn't a Vaishnava. Otherwise, I think Krishna in Krishna. So, Krishna consciousness is above the Brahmanism. So, you find some Krishna devotees, they may also have the guru of Vagadadhar Prabhu, Pandarik Vijayanidik. He was always wealthy, surrounded by happiness, silk and cloth, big bath light and silken cushions and people standing in the palanquins. But Gadara, he was lifelong celibate uh, Brahmachari. First time he saw a spiritual master, he thought that <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't a spiritual master then, but I mean, the first time he thought he had a few doubts. Later on it was revealed to him, that's a whole other story, how it was revealed to him, how actually that that was like a show. He had those things, but actually he was completely Krishna conscious. There's not there's time for that. Yes? Well, the basic scriptures speak, uh, you know, in many ways, uh, means going about devotional service, and 
experience of camping, and I don't know them all. One that I, I am attracted to that I don't quite understand it, though. So can you just be, maybe elaborate briefly on it, or tell me a little more about it from your understanding? I've read, still I don't, I have the Deity worship for this age has been simplified by Narada Muni, and we follow the Narada Pantratic system of deity worship. To actually do perfect deity worship is not possible in this age. Unless one chanting Hare Krishna, chanting the names, then it's possible. There are many rules and regulations for deity worship, but it's been simplified, and it's based around more chanting and uh, Kirtan of the Lord, by worshipping the form of the Lord, actually that's an incarnation of Krishna. It's called Archa Avatar. Because we don't have the vision to see Krishna. We haven't developed our spiritual vision. So he comes before us in a form that we can handle. So that we can serve him in that way. So that's a very that's very good for our concentration. So we don't forget Krishna. We have the form of Krishna. We so these deities are installed by bona fide spiritual master, this way of of calling Krishna, and he actually incarnates in the deity. They're not made by imagination, they're made according to descriptions and dimensions given in the Vedas, which are representative of Krishna, and then but Krishna himself, he personally is there. And there's many pastimes with deities where actually the one the deity sometimes talks to the worshipper Sometimes the deity walks. Although generally, that's only reciprocating with some very great devotee. Generally, of course, for common devotees, we see the deity standing, we think the deity is possibly made of stone or wood or this or that. That's our materialistic vision. We shouldn't see like that. We should see that this is actually an incarnation of Krishna in a form that uh, he has agreed to come in this form that we can handle, worship, and this way, uh, he's receiving that worship directly, and he's reciprocating with it. We offer food to him, we take the remnant. It's a type of sacrifice, a type of meditation. We recommend it to chant Hare Krishna in front of the deity. You can get your own Krishna deity and offer incense and chant Hare Krishna, offer water to the deity. If one wants to actually install it, you can also worship a picture like a deity. The deity worships a picture, the rules are much less strict. You can establish in your house, you have a picture of Krishna? Yes, I do. You can set up like a worship there, meditation and worship of that picture. Thank you. What is your name? Harry, almost like Hardy. <laughs> oh, but devotees are named after names of this What is your name? Jaya Pataka Swami. Yeah. I have one more question. Sorry. Uh, yeah, well, give everyone else a chance. It's pretty slow. Right? Mm -hmm. 
fully satisfied with that. No other questions? You speak about chanting, and you know what? Whenever they come coming through the temple, they've always emphasized chanting. You have a set of these? Yes, I do. Take one out my second visit here. You chant regularly? No, I don't. You regularly? Yes. You spoke to ten attention parts, and you didn't exactly mention what they were. I guess I could look them up. What's the first offense? Second offense? Raise your hand. Red Speak <laughs> <laughs> loudly. Did you hear it? No. They said it that demigods like Lord Shiva to be equal or greater than Krishna's name. Third offense? This is the order of spiritual message. Fourth offense? Fifth offense? Could you think that the chanting of Hare Krishna some kind of imagination of glories? Six. To give an imaginative interpretation. What is the fifth word to think that the glories of the holy name to be an exact imagination? And the sixth is to give your own speculative interpretation. Seven? That means like to meditate of all right, I can I can do this activity even though I know I, I can like kill this person, I go and I'll chant Hare Krishna and then I'll be purified from the sin. Something like that. That doesn't, doesn't work, no. If you make a mistake and do something you can chant get purified, but you can't you can't like do it on the basis that I'll later I'll chant get purified, then it won't work. That's Krishna's not that you can't be cheated. You can't repent before you do something. <laughs> you have to try. You have to try to uh, to avoid it. You know. Sometimes you may not be able to. Then you might be forgiven sometimes, although not perpetually. And the premeditated that's considered okay. Taking Krishna mechanically. Eighth offense? Consider the chanting of Hare Krishna is one of the auspicious and ritualistic activities which are often related as fruitless activities. Ninth? Yes? Which is it? Yes.
The thing is, just like the plant, if you water the plant every day with a, at least a minimum amount of water, then you have that plant A. Then exhibit B. You play, you water the plant one day some water, then two days you don't give any water, then some day some water, then some more days you don't give water. So which plant is going to grow faster? The regular one has a minimum per day, or the one that irregularly gets the water? So, Lord Chaitanya said that this, this, uh, bhakti is like a seed in the heart, and the chanting and hearing is like watering, irrigation. That's why we count how many times we chant, so that way we can maintain it some minimum. So, this was recommended in the beginning you may only chant two rounds, or four rounds, or a six round, but one should try to set some minimum. At least I'll do two a day, or four a day, or six a day, or eight a day, like that. And then, regularly do some days, it may seem, well, there wasn't any time, we just forgot, oh, I, I have to finish, I, I have to finish my, my, my round, my chanting of Hare Krishna. That's called brata. Brata means that uh, it's like a vow, a promise, that I'm going to do this much as a minimum. That gives one great strength, additional strength, than just one doing it casually, and one who's doing it on a, on a minimum basis like that. This, that gives it a, a, additional potency. Like more, and it's also very practical that we get regular water. Even in, even in athletics or in uh, yoga or anything, exercise, they say if you exercise five days a week, then it's alright, but if you only do two, three days a week, it doesn't make much difference. Because there's so much time in between there. So you have to build up a spiritual strength by building up a dam. Every day, a little bit is leaking out, in a sense, because of our carelessness, our independentness. So by keeping a minimum, we build, we build up our strength gradually. It's like filling up the glass. Once the glass is filled up with water, then there's no room for anything else. As long as we're only half full, then there's still room for other, or worse yet, then there's other rotten stuff to do in there. So Larry, why don't you... Kind of set for yourself you know, a minimum and just chant like that and try it. See how you advance. You can set your own initially. What you can do, what you think you can do every day. Maybe there's more someday. No harm. But like a minimum. And then you can gradually raise your minimum. We do 16 as a minimum. Those who are initiated. It takes about hour and a half, two hours to do 16. Or now. But uh, even if whatever one says that, it's very important that one can do it regularly. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Grace, you were talking with me a ago about how so often the devotees would be so much absorbed in Krishna consciousness that they wouldn't worry about it and separate it into uh, acquisition of Sometimes it's like David's voice there. It's like Shiddha When he had the, it was even his horoscope that he could make millions of dollars. But when he had the order of Bhakti Siddhanta to print books and do so many different preachings, so then 
Instead of just fully doing his business, he would use every spare moment to, to uh, print books and to print it back to Godhead and do so many works for Rocky Siddhanta Chaucer's Council. So as a result, he never, you know, this went on, but, you know, he never made it very rich. Although he had every potential if he would have just thrown himself into it. Bhakti Siddhanta, he didn't also want him that he should just give a lot of money. Sometimes devotees say that I have to go out and make millions for Krishna. Then you see, you know, you don't see any money, you don't see the devotees. <laughs> and uh, uh, everything is lost, you know. So first of all, we should protect our Krishna consciousness. There was one very wealthy man and he decided that he wanted to give all of his wealth to Bhakti Siddhanta, so he gave everything to the last penny to Bhakti Siddhanta, and that's what he built the birthplace of Lord Chaitanya Temple with. Then he became a Babaji and he just sat and chanted, that's why his temple's at the gateway there, so that one Babaji. I think he, he was one of the only two people that Bhakti Siddhanta actually gave Babaji initiation to. He just chanted Hare Krishna, he gave everything, he was a millionaire, he gave everything and he chanted Hare Krishna. What's the last time you Sometimes today we see the devotees are like meditating on how to actually collect washing from these No, but the difference is that uh, now everybody's in complete ignorance. The whole world, for now, he can be satisfied. How can any devotee be satisfied just himself worshiping and, and being Krishna conscious and not trying to help the others? Lord Chaitanya said, Janma Shatra Kori You perfect yourself and then to help others. That now that you see everywhere around you, people are suffering. They're in complete ignorance of their spiritual identity. They don't know what is the purpose of life. They think that these material objects are the, of the of their perfection, and they're suffering in every minute. So naturally, a devotee, when he makes some advancement, is going to be thinking how to bring these people to Krishna consciousness. And the people, they always think that, oh, what the, what are you people doing for society? How are you self-sufficient with that? So by showing that we can do various activities, engage people in Krishna's service, with these, making uh, bliss bars and so on and so forth, that's very big preaching for people like Americans who want to see that uh, we can still be productive and be Krishna conscious. Now we should preach to them that they can go on doing their business, no harm, but they should chant Hare Krishna. They should become Krishna conscious. They should gradually understand their real spiritual identity and their relationship with Krishna. We are not opposed to making money. Some of these brahmanas, they'd make lots of money, but they would just spend it right away in Krishna. Rupa and Sanatana were multi-millionaires, but they were continuously giving their money to the brahmanas in charity who were preaching and doing various programs. And uh, that was only brahmanas. Now we have to engage all kinds of people, all type of Vaishnavas with different propensities. So some people have propensities for doing different things. Some of those people have propensities for doing business or for, although I don't think very many. <laughs> and some people have propensity for working and for puja and for preaching. 
so we engage with people accordingly. If one person doesn't uh, feel inclined, doesn't feel the capability of uh, being able to go out and raise huge sums of money for Krishna, then that person shouldn't, neither should he feel frustrated on the one hand that there's no scope for him in Krishna consciousness, neither should he feel that the other people who are able to raise funds for Krishna and who are giving the funds and the funds have been used for preaching and for building nice temples and communities for Krishna shouldn't think that that activity is in any way materialistic. That's all spiritual as long as the future are going to Krishna and using Krishna's service. There are other services uh, that devotees can do, just like in the temple, the people that close that do puja, they're all supportive to the preaching. Now there's other kinds of preaching coming up, like Namha preaching, and getting people to chant Hare Krishna, congregation of programs, people, which are not directly uh, connected. They may not be big fundraisers. It's all for all different kinds of